EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. And here it is once again, the summertime edition of Inside EMS. I'm Chris, he's Kelly, and it is the Chris and Kelly Show. I say that all the time because I get the first word. And here he is, our good friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm going to have to record a, an, an intro so I can get to call it the, uh, the Kelly and Chris Show. We should do it, man. Why don't you go ahead and do the intro? Why don't you, why don't you try it? Go ahead and do the intro one time, and uh, maybe we'll let you do- no, oh, oh yeah, I'm Put putting you on, on the spot. spot. Hey, it's that time of the week again. It's time for the Kelly and Chris show. I'm Kelly. He's Chris. Welcome to Inside EMS. How about How's that? That? that sounds good, man. And then I'll get to do the close. Uh, I don't know if I could talk like you, but uh, we'll see how that works out. But so I'm trying good to week. channel my inner carnival barker. Oh, that's it. Is that what I am? The interval? That's right. <laughs> yeah. I could have been working for uh, Barnum and Bailey way back then. Yeah, yeah. Come see the bearded lady. <laughs> that's right. So, what about uh, the summer, man? How's it going down there in uh, world famous Pitkin, Louisiana? Oh man, it's it's uh, humid uh, and and searingly hot. It's we we've reached that point of the summer where that we hit our 90 by nine weather pattern, 90 degrees by 9 a.m. with 90 percent humidity. It's like stewing in your own juices. And I've been handling honeydew projects around the house, including uh, uh, installing a gravel uh, a gravel bed, a, a rock garden, and uh, moving six yards of uh, of gravel with a rake and shovel is uh, not fun in this kind of heat sucks that's crazy man i'm glad that it's you and not me i'll tell you that I, you need to come down man and i'll buy the beer and we can have us a rock garden party and you yeah. can help I, no, i'll be I'm like the way. tom sawyer of, of rock garden hang on i'm getting on priceline.com so right now priceline.com yeah. right now so you know kelly a couple of things to talk about this week first off we got a really great letter from one of our fans we're going to talk about and i think he points out to us that uh um, you know, maybe we're misstating or maybe we're kind of uh, not getting the message or not giving out the right message, let's mm-hmm. say. But that's coming from Yadidva Ben Avi, and we appreciate his uh, uh, email. But why don't you go ahead and give him the crux and uh, let's chat about it really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yadidva um, sent us a, an email, said he's been a fan of the show for some time, and, and he wanted to uh, thank us for the way we handle some sensitive issues. And, uh, uh, with uh, a little little bit of humility and humanity, uh, uh, even when we're calling out our colleagues on their on their bad behavior, uh, and and we never fail to express our our sorrow at the tragedies that uh, that some of our colleagues face, like uh, uh, Miss Arroyo uh, in New York City, who was uh, who was killed by the uh, run over by her patient. Um, but he uh, he added something that that I I feel we uh, we should address and. He, he's got an excellent perspective on on customer service and and that that giving spirit that we need to bring to every call. Uh, he, he points out that we emphasize that the majority of the calls in EMS are not saving lives, and that's true. Um, 
but he uh, he says that we have a chance to make a difference on every single call and every single patient we encounter, and I fully agree with that. That's you know that's something I, I talk about in my lectures when I uh, when I talk about uh, overcoming burnout in EMS and 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 recapturing the uh, the uh, verb and the, the spirit of, of of what we got into this this field for. And he does an excellent job of phrasing that. He says, for for me, meeting new patients and making their days better, even if they don't need any medical treatment, is a highlight of EMS. I think we need to move away from attracting adrenaline junkies and instead find caring people who are in it for the patients and not the excitement. The successful long-term paramedics and EMTs who I know have this quality, and I believe we need to focus on that and not just admitting that we don't do, actually do a lot medically. He said, thank you again. Keep doing what you do. And I, I fully agree with that. You've heard me say multiple times, EMS needs to quit hiring at, uh, adrenaline junkies and trying to teach them to be handholders. We need to attract handholders and try to teach them to function in a crisis. He, uh, he says that quite well in, in his letter, and we appreciate that. And uh, we uh, encourage him to keep listening. We're going we're gonna to pay attention to that uh, in future podcasts. And I think that one of the things that, you know, we do try to, uh, you know, I think it really depends on the show to determine what the message is that we're sending yeah. out. Yeah. You, know, so, you know, I believe, and I've been a firm believer for years, that you should learn something on every call. Mm-hmm. And whether it's your, you know, assessment skills, whether it's your interviewing skills, whether it's your you know, just developing your compassion and learning something about, you know, the patient, you know, I think that those are things that we don't do well enough, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, you know, there on what could be someone's, you know, the worst day of somebody's life. And it's true that those calls are few and far between, but on every single call, you have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life, even if it's just the, just the, 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 the discussion. I mean, I've met so many people, and I forget the guy's name, um, but when I was in Fort Worth, I got to run a call on the uh, guy who played Blue in old school. And, oh, you know, and there you're was my a, boy, Blue! And there was a couple people who uh, ran him as well uh, there at MedStar. And, you know, did then you, I had the opportunity. Did you dust in the wind? You know, no, we didn't, but... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, but I've had the opportunity to meet some really great people in the back of the ambulance. I mean, people, uh-huh. I love to talk to the people who, you know, were born in the, at the time in the 20s. And I would ask them, I said, well, what was it like during the Depression? What was it like when the war began? Uh-huh. Or, you know, I talked to somebody one time and said, what was the feeling in the United States during the Cuban Missile Crisis? You know, I mean, so really yeah. it was the opportunity to, to really learn a little bit about history from the people that had been through it. And then there was even a thing that we did at MedStar at one time um, where we had to figure out, we had a little contest of who could find the patient that had the weirdest job during that week. And Mm. so, but it it forced (laughs) you to learn to talk to people and it forced you your your interview skills and so on and so forth. So I have to agree a hundred percent, you know, and we really appreciate those emails that we get, those show suggestions that we get. And actually we're going to talk today, Kelly, uh, um, you know, someone kind of uh, tagged me on a, uh, a story on Facebook and uh, we're going to bring that story here today because there's been a lot of talk recently of course, about the opioid epidemic. And, you know, we're talking about carfentanil. We're talking about the gray death. And, you know, a a lot of the first responders now are starting to get, uh, you know, uh, affected uh, just by the uh, what's in the air. But there's been Mm -hmm. in the news this week, there was a lot of discussion about uh, Narcan. And in in Ohio uh, County, there was discussion about, you know, three times and you're out. We'll come and take care of you twice. 
But if there's a third time, we are not going to come to your, we're not going to send an ambulance to your house. And then on the other hand, there's an Indiana County that is uh, saying that we're going to give Narcan for free to people. And, uh, you know, it's the it, tale of two counties. It is the tale of two <laughs> counties. But one of the things that I think the discussion needs to come in is, is on both those on both those topics is one overkill and is the other overkill as well. I mean, you're giving away, and maybe I'll just start off here, Kelly, since you're the one that always starts off. One of the things that appalls me about our career field is the lack of sensitivity when it comes to somebody who is a heroin addict and you see those bumper stickers, I just Narcan your honor student or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that they, they, they get what they deserve. And now I will say this, and I want people to understand I've done a lot of, you know, work with behavior modification and, you know, those types of things. And when it comes to someone being a heroin addict, it's true that they put the needle in their arm the very first time. That's their decision. But mm-hmm. almost immediately, they're hooked on a drug that changes their brain's chemistry. And even yeah. though they're doing it, and they say, I can stop it, any, they, they really can't. They're gripped by a drug. And I think we've said it on this show, Kelly, that there's two types of heroin addicts. There is a heroin addict, and there's a recovering heroin addict. But you never mm-hmm. really break <laughs> away from the control of that drug. But the thing that appalls me is how EMS providers will take that side of saying they deserve what they get um and until you understand i think about addiction and how this just grips you uh, i don't think we know that but what i was glad to see was in this three strike and you're out in middletown ohio where people in our career field were coming to the fence of saying you know what that our job is to go our job is to do it so it seemed that the, the, the calls of people saying they deserve what they get and they should die were very minimal. And our career field came to the, you know, came to the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the side of saying we treat mm-hmm. everybody. And I was happy yeah. to see that. Yeah, and, and I am too. That's, you know, there's something to be said. That's always been the, the biggest reward for me in EMS is, is that the, there's honor in that implicit compact. That when you call 911, I will come. No questions. I will come. I will do my best to treat you without regard to your social standing, your economic status, your race, your creed. I'm going to do the very best job I can to treat your illness. Uh, and that's that. And, and yet we, we find ourselves making these value judgments about people. And you, you read the the comments on social media threads and if there's if reading youtube comment threads has failed to uh destroy your faith in humanity read what some emts say about their potential patients on facebook threads and it just it it makes you weep but i i just i I don't know i i can sympathize you know it's it's hell going to the same person over and over and over and going uh, day after day, week after week for the same problem for someone who, uh, is, is gripped with, with addiction and, and you, you feel like you're, it's, it's an episode of Groundhog Day. You wake up every morning and instead of I got you, babe, it's a, it's an opiate overdose. Um, and, and it's a grind, but you know, it's nowhere near the grind of being gripped with addiction. Uh, and that's something we fail to realize, uh, 
you know, the, and, and if you make value judgments about the patients who are, um, who are suffering from opiate addiction and, uh, yeah, let them, you know, let them kill themselves. It's, it's survival of the fittest and that sort of thing. Well, where are you going to draw the line, Chris? I mean, are, are we going to stop taking, uh, cardiac patients to the cath lab because they ate too many, uh, cheeseburgers and smoked too many cigarettes over the years? We're going to deny oxygen and albuterol and, and atrovent to our COPD ears because they smoked. Um, what about the, the patient who is, is, you know, broken a limb, uh, doing something foolish, you know, are, are we going <laughs> to, are we going to deny them aid because they made poor life decisions? But I think this is, gonna, you know, I think, I think your point is very well taken, but I think yeah. that it comes down to the fact that we have an opioid epidemic in the United States. And I think really from the, even from the provider side, if we look there first, it really comes down to the lack of education to understand what this addiction what this you know uh, trap really does now i gotta tell you man i've known a lot of people in my career and i have a lot of friends that have decided to become addicted to drugs and it was their decision to do it it was their decision to put the line of coke in their nose it was their decision to uh um, you know use put a needle in their arm and i have seen some really good people make really poor decisions after they've become addicted to uh narcotics Mm -hmm. And you try to do the things that you can to help them, but it really does come down to the fact of saying until they're willing to help themselves, there's nothing that we can do about it. And, you know, when you think about people that have families and people who have homes and people who have bills to pay and car payments and all those things that Mm -hmm. are throwing it all away, is that the rationale of a normal person? And I I think that the lack of education of what addiction is, the lack of education of how these chemicals reprogram your brain. And and think about it. Your brain works on chemicals. It works on serotonin. Mm -hmm. Anytime the serotonin level is low, we start to have some challenges and you start to have depression. And there's where those happy pills come in of those Zoloft's and those Paxil's and whatever it is that's out there that people take. And people have a stigma about even taking antidepressants. They don't, they don't complain about when they're having to take high blood pressure drugs or when they're having to take metformin or when they're having yeah. to take... They're not complaining. But there's a stigma around anything that has to do with changing the chemistry of your brain. And, and addiction is doing that. And, and, the, and the, you got to remember that heroin uh, metabolizes into morphine once it gets into your system. Yeah. And morphine is changing our bodies and changing the chemistry of our brain to say, this was a really good feeling. I want this again. And then once mm-hmm. that happens, it becomes a subconscious approach to, to drug use. And I, I, I think really, and I'm babbling. I know I'm babbling. It really needs to start with I'm education. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm used to it from your side is what you mean, right? <laughs> but, you know, Kelly, I guess I'll, I'll give it to you. But there is a lack of education that providers, providers need to learn about addiction. There is, uh, there is, and I'll be the first to admit that that my my formal education on addiction is is lacking. Uh, and moreover, I, I don't have an addictive personality. Uh, part of of being a good caregiver is the ability to empathize with your patients or sympathize with your patients, and 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 kind of feel things and understand things from their perspective. And and I don't get uh, the addictive personality and 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 people who 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 have something that, that has a grip on them they just can't let loose of. Um, I'm a big, fat, out-of-shape dude 
but I'm not addicted to food. I'm just lazy and I eat when I'm bored. Uh, and, and when I put up my mind to, to stopping uh, my unhealthy eating habits, uh, I lose weight. Uh, and it's not a problem for me. Um, I have beer in my refrigerator all the time. Uh, however, a 12-pack of Shinerbach will last me a month. I just don't feel the need uh, that, that uh, an addict does. However, um, you don't have to be an addict or have an addictive personality to, to have some compassion and humanity. And, and, Chris, this is not a new problem. You know, I, I cringe every time EMS1 puts up my uh, naloxone uh, column from 11 years ago. It's one of the first columns I wrote. Um, and, and it was written well before we were in our current opioid epidemic. Uh, but the people that only read the headline, uh, or, or comment based on the title of the, uh, title of the article, I just cringe at those people because they don't get the point of the article. Um, back in the day, and I still think this is true today, is that I, I condemn the practice of, of giving people a big whopping dose of Narcan to ruin their high. You know, and a lot of EMTs were doing this. Uh, they still do that. Um, they don't titrate naloxone to reversal of respiratory depression. They just give them a big old dose to ruin their high. Um, and as my friend Gary Saffer put it, you know, uh, addicts take heroin to induce a pleasant stupor. Uh, if they're pleasantly stuporous but still breathing effectively, it's not an overdose. It's a dose. Uh, and we don't treat doses. We treat overdoses. And, and that was the point of that article. But, but uh, people seem to think that, that, it, it, um, uh, that giving Narcan to people uh, for, for legitimate reasons is, is abusing the drug. And I don't think that's the case. I think that it, it's, a, it's a, our way of, of giving them uh, another chance at kicking their addiction. Um, where, will they take advantage of that chance? Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it's for certain that if we don't give it to them, they will not kick their addiction. They'll die. Right. And, and people just don't grasp that fact. And, and the fact that, that uh, this councilman, uh, Dan Picard, proposed this three strikes and you're out rule is just testament to the fact that our elected officials, our elected leaders, even healthcare policymakers just don't get health care. They don't get care delivery and what it what it means to be a caregiver. And, and I don't know how we overcome that. Um, what I'm afraid of, man, is the backlash. What I'm afraid of is the backlash. You know, we, we recently had this this crisis uh, where the DEA started enforcing um, enforcing a rule that they had had previously overlooked or waived or whatever uh, that, that posed some challenge to the way we administer narcotics in the field. Um, and it required, uh, you know, an, an act of Congress, literally, to, to uh, change the rules. Uh, but that threatened our ability to do pain management in the field and, and you know, system-wide or, or, or profession-wide. Um, what I can see, foresee happening in the, in the near future is some draconian restrictions on narcotics and those draconian restrictions on narcotics are going to affect us as well even though we're not the the ones who created the problem um i think joint commission and and hospital administrators created this problem i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the blame right at them with this whole pain is the fifth vital sign movement which they've denied you're absolutely but it was true 
and hospital administrators who think that that the measure of a good physician is how good his press gainy scores are uh, and and the whole and customer satisfaction is king rather than what is medically appropriate they've been pushing ER doctors to over prescribe narcotics for years and now it has bitten us in the rear end um, and and we have very little to do with that the amount of drugs we're going to give someone in pain in the back of our ambulance uh, for the limited number of doses they're going to get is not going to create an addict. But sending a patient home with a script for Vicodin for two weeks and then, and then with our fragmented healthcare system with no follow-up care and no chronic pain management or anything to, to alleviate the cause of their pain is what's creating heroin addicts. And, and now our patients are suffering from it. We're getting new patients that never would have been addicts before. Um, and, and EMTs who are, are developing this hard and callous attitude because we're seeing the, the after effects of that. And I, I think it really sucks. And what's going to suck even worse is when they start telling us we can't alleviate our patient's pain because we're going to create an addict. Right. Now I think you're babbling, but... Um... <laughs> But one, I think you make a really good point. But let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit because we did talk about that this was the tale of two counties. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we turn around now and we talk about uh, what's going on in uh, Indiana. And I'll give you that, uh, uh, that opportunity to kind of brief that story uh, so we can talk about that because I think it's really important that we bring that to light as well. Yeah, in Miami County, Indiana, residents are going to soon be able to receive free doses of Narcan along with training on how to use it to combat their uh, opioid epidemic. And, and I applaud Miami County. I think this is the right approach. Uh, I think there are going to be some unforeseen consequences to it, among other things, uh, even, even worsening of the, the naloxone shortages. Uh, but I think this is the approach we need to take. Um, we need to combat the epidemic from the top down and stop and, and and bring some sanity back to the prescribing practices instead of uh, uh, the uh, ER doctor popularity contest that is Press Ganey um, and start doing what's medically appropriate, not what uh, makes a patient happy. And um, I, I hope that, uh, that Miami County uh, does well with their program. The only thing I would change is, is if, if I were king for a day and my Legion of Flying Monkeys uh, completes my quest for world domination, I would make it a requirement to show a CPR card and a CPR pocket mask to get a free dose of naloxone. There's your, there's your qualification. Here's how to administer the drug. Oh, before we give this to you, show me your CPR card. Show me your, uh, show me your, your pocket mask. Uh, be able to ventilate a patient until their breathing comes back or until if one dose of naloxone doesn't work. Plus, it'll benefit other people. Uh, I, I think that's what ought to be done. Yeah, I think all the things you said are really, you know, it's funny because when you talk about what's going on in Ohio and, you know, you get both sides of that argument because there were people who said that, uh, you know, just let the three strikes, let people die. Yeah. But the same thing that goes Ridiculous. when you're giving out free Narcan is that the, the naysayers are like, we're just promoting more heroin use. Uh, you know, there was one comment on social media that I thought was a very, very good comment, as a matter of fact where they were talking about that they're going to give away free Narcan, but you still got to pay $500 to get an EpiPen for yeah. somebody that's having, you know. So I think that those are well, some really great discussions. When it it's, it's, it's harder to get Sudafed these days than it is methamphetamine. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah the other day I had a cold. I had to go buy some meth and cook it back into Sudafed to cure my cold. But I think it goes back to the, the, <laughs> the, it, it goes back to the thought of saying, what's the value 
of a human life? And uh, are we really giving up on the population just because they are addicted to a, a, a horrible narcotic? And, you know, yeah. I, my hope is that, uh, you know, we're able to educate and we're able to get some type of, um, you know, I don't know, man, some type of, uh, I, I, I hate to use the word normalcy. I mean, that was a word that President yeah. Nixon used for the first time that really had no meaning, but, uh, you know, being normal. But as you've mentioned, I mean, heroin addiction has been around since uh, uh, long before you and I were here and um, nothing's ever happening. And, you know, when you have lawmakers that are saying they really want to try to combat this epidemic, but in the new health care bill, they're taking away all the money for treatment centers. And, you know, I mean, it just boggles your mind as to how are mm-hmm. we ever going to get this under under wraps. And I got to tell you, man, this is a, a truly a horrible story. And uh, one that I don't see has any, any chance of getting better in our near future. No, I, I don't either until we, you know, like I said, we have to co- combat this epidemic from the top down from where it started. Uh, and it's going to take years, if not a generation, to, to get under control. Um, but, but in the meantime, if you are an EMS, if you are a professional caregiver and you have the attitude that you should just let uh, overdose patients die, uh, do us all a favor and, and step away from this profession for a little while and try to regain your humanity because, uh, brother, you have lost it. And one thing, Kelly, before you get into the close, if you're out there in our career field and you're combating addiction and you need someone to talk to, reach out to Kelly and I and let us, help you, let us help you get on the right path, man. And, and we don't want to forget you as well. Uh, we know that there's people in our career field, and, and uh, we, we try to be on the front lines, Kelly, when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, PTSD, when it comes to depression in our field. But the same thing with addiction, man. If, you, if you're struggling with addiction and you need a, 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 a friend, if you need somebody to listen to you, if you need someone to help you get on the right path, go ahead and reach out to Kelly and I, and let's uh, see if we can help you in any way to uh, get on that uh, straight and narrow. By all means. By all means, I would be happy to do that. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to know what you think. Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, a guy who is addicted to adulation, this is Kelly Grayson. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>